0: Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Hey there, I'm Rain Wilson. And I'm Reza Aslan, and I'm trying to be a better man. Doesn't
1: that mean you're just trying to be a better person?
0: No, no, I mean literally, I'm trying to be a better man, like man. Like a man-man. Like a man-man. I mean, I'm not saying I know what that, that actually means. Well, let's find out. Let's ask a woman. Perfect. So, Rain. Of the many, many things that we have in common with each other, one of them is that we are uh, both fathers to boys. Yeah. Yeah. Four Raising th- boys. Four boys between us.
1: Yeah. One for me, three for you. Do you want to give me one of yours and we'll just split it?
0: <laughs> I might. I might think okay. about it. I got, I got twins. I mean, they're kind of interchangeable. You can have one of them. Don't they
1: hit on each other a lot too? There's a lot of punching. A lot of punching in my in my family. Now, is that, boys. So is that, you know, we're going to talk about toxic masculinity and manhood and stuff like that. Does it bother you all the punching or is it just natural
0: the punching or how do you get through be honest, little like, kids hitting each other? You know, it, it, it affects my wife more than it affects me. Like Jessica, when when Jasper and Cyrus, you know, fight each other, I mean physically fight each other, Jessica breaks down. Like she just starts weeping. She doesn't know how to respond to it. And I'm like, all right, boys, like go to opposite corners. Cause I guess as a man, I just think, well, sure, you get frustrated and you punch. Isn't that what you do? Kind of wired to and do I that. And I think for her, it's just so outside of her experience. And so, yeah, this is this is part of this issue about what it means to be a man. I know my son, his
1: favorite thing to do and has always been his favorite thing to do is to wrestle with me. He's 15 now and he's he's not close to winning, but it's 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 starting to hurt a yeah. little bit more. But yeah. he loves to wrestle. He needs that. He needs that uh, the contact and the. um I I don't know what it is—the resistance yep. and and something about subverting me. There's a there's a little bit of some elemental Greek stuff there. Saturn overthrowing the father. There's some yeah. Oedipal kind of shit going Absolutely. on. He loves the fact that he's a better guitar player than me now. He loves to lord it over me, and um, it's a natural part of of manhood,
0: but it can certainly go too far. Yeah, and for both of us, you know, we we like to think of ourselves as. Uh, worldly and and progressive. Um, I know that, you know, with Jasper and Cyrus, my wife and I went out of our way not to give them sort of traditional boys' toys. Mm -hmm. And yet... That's all they wanted. All they wanted was like <laughs> cars and trucks. And we're like, "What? what is this? Like, we didn't do this. Right. We would give them dolls and be like, isn't this a cute doll? You should play with it. And they'd be like, uh, yeah, can I beat this doll up? <laughs> what is this? It just... Turn it into a gun. <laughs> pew, pew, yeah. Pew. Tur- everything gets turned into a weapon. It, it, is that just a boy thing? What, what, are we, what are we doing here? This is
1: tough. So I, I grew up in a home where uh, my dad was very gentle. I'm uh, very kind. Um, you know, he has his flaws. We've had our issues. We have our issues. But I didn't get a kind of a, any kind of toxic masculinity stuff kind of thrust on me. And I know that that can be incredibly debilitating mm-hmm. to people. Uh, that have grown up with that. But there were some aspects of his manhood and the manhood that I inherited, both from him and from men around me, men on television, men in our greater family, which were some issues that uh, I still wrestle with today. And that is, as a man, I'm supposed to be self-sufficient. I'm not supposed to need help from anyone. I'm not supposed to ask for help. I'm not supposed to make myself vulnerable. I'm not supposed to show or reveal my emotions my flaws, my vulnerabilities. And this has been something that I, that my, my dad doesn't do. He doesn't reveal his vulnerabilities. And it's something that has been, um, an issue with me that I, that I've carried through my life. Do you have, do you have
0: issues around that? I mean, almost identical. I mean, yeah, my dad wasn't by any means sort of a manly man, but yes, he never showed any vulnerability. He, uh, tried never to show any kind of emotional weakness. Um, you know, other he, than the
1: occasional flash of anger, I he, imagine, which is well, an OK emotion yes, for men to express.
0: In fact, it's the only emotion that we're allowed to express. And I would say, like for me, my my biggest psychological problem and the thing that I've worked hardest on uh, as a husband is precisely trying to have, you know, more than one emotional reaction to things. I mean, I feel like for me, sadness gets expressed as anger. Confusion gets expressed as anger. Uh, any vulnerability that I have comes out as anger. Your Twitter feed, my expresses, Twitter itself feed expresses itself as <laughs> anger. I've noticed. As anger. And um and I yes, I think that's that's kind of the example that I had when I grew up. I'm sure that's the example that my father had when he grew up. I'm sure that's the example that many men have.
1: I mean, another aspect of toxic masculinity that does affect me and is, you know, I hate to be all woke and use this language, but it's white male privilege, you know, like I am so privileged in every way. I'm rich. I'm a celebrity. I'm white. I'm over six foot two. I'm college educated, whatever. And I can't help sometimes but assume the mantle of like, hey, I should be listened to. I get to interrupt. My opinion counts more. Um. People are going to look to me for the answers. I'm going to be the center of things. There's Mm -hmm. a kind of a entitlement and arrogance there that kind of comes with the territory that it takes a lot of work to be semi woke to kind of go like, hey, you know what? Can I listen more? Can I be humble more? Can I surrender more and prove my ignorance more and be an ally and supporter of people's voices that are marginalized? I know those kind of, that's all that stuff is really cliche, but I find it like this is something I struggle with. And thank God I have a wife who will point it out to me. Like you just (laughs) interrupted me. She points it out all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You interrupted this person. You didn't listen to me. You went on and on about this thing. And she also points out how other people and, you know, women too will, will kind of give me extra, an extra, a megaphone kind of, they turn to you, Rain. Did you see how everyone was like, I wonder what Rain thinks. And like, you kind of had the attention of the room and like, um, you, you know, you have to watch for that. There's a lot of ego around that.
0: So we're trying, you and I, but whether we're succeeding or not is difficult to know. And you said it perfectly, like maybe the best way to do this is to talk to a woman about it. And so yeah. while you were off on some crazy adventure uh, in in Greenland, I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to uh, somebody that I love, somebody that I'd actually never met. Uh, personally. We're like sort of social media friends, but somebody that I've been following for a really long time. Her name is Liz Plank. She's a feminist activist. Um, She's host of uh, Vox Media's Considerate. Um, And she has gotten a lot of attention for a book that she's just written called For the Love of Men, A New Vision of Mindful Masculinity. Um, And in it, she explores precisely what we're talking about right now. How damaging traditional ideas of masculinity have been not just for men but for all of us for all of society and i had an opportunity to not just sit down and talk to her but i had a chance to actually bring one of my boys along to join oh, no way that's awesome yeah and uh here we go
2: A master's in gender theory, and I've been thinking about this stuff for a very long time. But I started realizing that often the rooms uh, that I was in, the progressive feminist spaces, which were amazing and where we would have incredible conversations, um, were there were kind of like half of us missing in those conversations, and the main people who were kind of uh, you know really uh, the problem <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or responsible we for a lot up. of the yes, there was, there was there seemed to be an, an imbalance there and. And I, yeah, I, I joke that we would just, you know, always like wave to the guy in the back. And you've probably been that guy in so many of those rooms. And we all go, thank you for being here. Thank you for being at an ally. Um, go talk to men. And... Clearly, that has not worked uh, so far. Um, you know, I started writing this book before the 2016 election. Then Donald Trump was elected. It was even clearer that we really needed to have a conversation around masculinity and, and, and around men. And so um, I started talking to men mm. and I started interviewing men and asking them very simple questions about masculinity. Like what? Like, uh, like what's hard about being a man?
0: What's hard about being a yeah, man? Tell what's, me what's hard about being, about being, being a man? man? Um, what's hard about being a woke man? That's any different. kind of,
2: i mean tell me tell me uh, tell me more what's the I difference? would say
0: that the 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 most difficult part for me about understanding my malehood and my masculinity is um balancing the expectations not that society has on me fuck society but the the expectations that um that I have on myself mm. um And especially as a husband and as a father Mm -hmm. and as a son Mm -hmm. with um, my desire to kind of brush off those expectations and to um, to sort of try to get away from the binary itself altogether. You know, like I would say that's for me the hardest thing about being a man.
2: And what is the main way for you to express yourself as a man? Like, what does a man mean to you?
0: It's what almost every man you've asked this question to says, uh, about creating protection, yeah, right? and um and uh, sort of and prosperity. Like I feel like yeah. those are the the two burdens that fall on my shoulder. Yeah. Um, protection and prosperity. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: yeah And they do. Uh, right. The protector provider ideal, yeah. which mm-hmm. is, you know, in pretty much every society falls on the shoulders of men. And and one of the things that fascinated me was how much I was how angry I was mm-hmm. at my own scholarship and my own education, having been incredibly privileged to be able to earn a master's degree in gender theory um already to see how little I had been taught about masculinity and how mm. little, you know, I hadn't been assigned a single book about masculinity. And what you're talking about in terms of the provider protector model um, is actually in increasingly correlated with increasing amounts of suicide amongst men, right? Mm -hmm. So in societies where more women work, for example, where there's more gender equality, it actually protects men from from suicide attempts and and, and dying from suicide um, during times of economic hardships. So you really see during times of recession, 2008 recession or across Europe, um, we really saw an increase in male suicides. And Feminism, right? Gender equality, female empowerment is actually can be an antidote to um, these increasing levels of male suicide because women are sharing those responsibilities too, and then we're all providers and we're all protectors. Mm -hmm. And this year, I'm gonna provide in a more financial way, and you're gonna provide by being there and like making sure our kids don't die. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And those are obviously equally important, right? The person who pays for the book is just as important as a person who teaches the kid how to read that book. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. actually just buying the book without having someone being able to teach it uh, is useless. And so we have to expand these definitions of how we all are providers and protectors yeah. so, so that you're able to still be a man and not have to prove your masculinity if you're not able to achieve those expectations that are truly ideals that, that, that aren't always possible for all men to achieve.
0: But to this point of... The notion of expectation. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I, I had to stop and think to myself, you know, are the expectations that I have of myself as a man, Do they are they forced upon me by mm-hmm. others? And the truth is, is, no, not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think that they're not. Mm-hmm. But you say something that's really interesting, which is that women are born women, but men become mm-hmm. men right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're not born men, mm-hmm. but we have to like become yes. a man. And so there's something that about having to earn that status. Yeah. And then the, the the moment that it becomes a thing that you earn, it can also become a thing that you can lose. lose. Exactly. Right? And so there's this anxiety yeah. about um First of all, achieving this thing, which is un- undefinable and mm. and vague mm-hmm. and um and hard to def- hard to sort of understand mm-hmm. anyway, and then recognizing that that thing can be taken away from you. yes, um and maybe that's where some of this anxiety comes yes. from right? and it
2: starts very early, right? And so that creates so much shame, right? and repression of if you show if 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 you show weakness, it's not that there's something wrong with society, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And you're to blame. And not only are you not supposed to feel that, you're not supposed to talk about it. And so a lot of men and and you know I talk a lot about male shame in the book and th- the most amount of comments I've I've received and like, you know, messages and you know, men particularly sharing with me um is is this has been able to put a language on something I've never been able to understand or no therapist has help, been able to even help me understand that um there's this there's this shame spiral yeah. that not only, yeah, makes you feel like, well, then you're not a man. Then if you're not a man, then not you're not worthy of connection. You're not worthy yeah. of belonging. You're not worthy of being, uh you know, in a partnership. And so it creates this cycle of isolation. And actually what the research finds is that when men experience uh, this shame and women experience shame too, right? <laughs> of course. Um, but when men uh, t- tend to experience the this shame, they either do two things. One is isolate. So further withdrawing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is masculinity restoring uh, right. activities. Right. right. So yeah. exactly mm-hmm. proving it. Right. prove it mm-hmm. You took it away from me. I'm going to prove it. And if we live in a society where the way to prove that you're really masculine is to grab women by the pussy, mm-hmm. is to have a lot of guns, is to be dominant, talk over other people, be violent, be aggressive. Um, of course, we end up. With a mass shooting in every right. uh, every day in this country, of course we end up with rising suicide rates. That are, you know, in a state like Wyoming, for example, where the rate of suicide is the highest in all of this country. Eighty percent of people who are dying from suicide are men. And so, when you're not able, right, to restore your masculinity and you're going into isolation as a way to protect yourself, um, you are either hurting yourself or you're hurting other people. Mm -hmm. And I don't think either of those are um, productive and neither of those are um, useful ways for men to actually cope with the struggle and the pain that they're feeling.
1: Hey, milkshakers, Rain Wilson here. And listen, I need to have meditation as a part of my life or I go kind of loco in la cabeza. I also have to work out. I play a lot of tennis. Hydration has to be a priority. So one stick of this liquid IV that I've been trying recently, in 16 ounces
0: of water, it hydrates us faster and more efficiently than water alone. Oh, come on. Why do we need to put flavor in water? But whatever, I'm gonna try it out. It is no exaggeration to say that I am obsessed with Liquid IV. I drink like five of these a day. I actually have a bowl in my kitchen full of all the different flavors. There's like strawberry and there's guava. Uh, There's a lemon lime one that I really like. Passion fruit, that's my wife's favorite. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna grab your Liquid IV in bulk, nationwide
1: at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com
0: and use the code word
1: milkshake at Costco. Check out.
0: That's 25% off anything you order. When you get better hydration today using promo code Milkshake, all you gotta do is go to liquid IV, the letters IV dot com, put the code in milkshake, 25% off. I'm telling you, man, I feel a million times better now that I'm actually hydrated, instead of basically substituting coffee for water, which is what I normally do. Healthy snacks have a very bad
1: reputation for a good reason. Most of them don't taste very good and they don't fill you up and they don't satisfy your cravings. This particular episode of Metaphysical Milkshake is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like great tasting sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less.
0: They're only 150 calories and they're great for anyone who's following the keto lifestyle. And they're also the perfect snack for anyone who's just trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. I've got right here on my desk right now, the coconut cocoa chip, man, this is, I mean, I, I like a lot of these flavors, but the coconut cocoa chip, I can't say enough about, I'm gonna open this up right now. I'm gonna eat it while rain talks.
1: They've got that perfect balance of sweet and salty and they've got a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage to be soft and chewy. You Just try them. Trust me, you're going to love them. They come in delicious flavors like sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, and my very favorite, peanut butter, dark chocolate.
0: Try it for yourself. You'll see. We have a special deal for our listeners. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product. All you got to do is visit monkpack.com and enter our code milkshake at checkout. And I just want to say, yes, it's gross that I'm talking with my mouth full, but what am I going to do? I love my Monk Pack. Monk Pack is
1: so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, go to MonkPack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product, then enter the code MILKSHAKE at checkout to save what? 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. And we thank you, Monk Pack, for sponsoring the podcast.
0: I want to talk a little bit more deeply about ideas of manhood, where they come from, um, the roots of manhood, how how we even understand it. The ancient Greeks had this idea um, called Andrea, which mm. is essentially the, the, the Greek term for maleness. It's, it's where we get the very concept for us. And for them, it had a very clear definition. It meant brawn. It meant audacity. But what was really remarkable about this idea is that it wasn't tied to a gender, mm. in other words. It was a term— that could apply to men or women. I mean, mm. some incredibly heroic, mythical female characters yes. in in uh, Greek stories and Greek mythology were described as having Andrea, this notion of brawn, uh, this notion of of um audacity in battle. But we get our concept of virility. Not from the Greeks, but from the Romans. Mm. Virility for the Romans, which comes from this Roman term virilitas, um, was all about uh, self-control. Mm. Self-control, moderation, right? That reigning in your power. That's what virility meant. And I guess what what I, what I find fascinating about this whole thing is that these are separate things. That maleness and virility are different things. Virility also could be as applied to men and to women. And yet, I think what's happened in Western society is that this Greco-Roman idea of Andrea, maleness, and virilitas, virility, became uh, sort of married together, mm-hmm. right? And it became this idea that we now refer to as masculinity, right. an idea that women are no longer allowed to ha- take any part in, mm-hmm. right? We don't refer to women as, um, you know, masculine. We don't mm-hmm. refer to, uh, certainly not a, a, a in a complimentary way, yeah. we don't refer to women as virile. I mean, yeah. that's just a word we don't mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. for women, mm-hmm. even though, again, yeah. the word, the concept is not gendered. Right. I'm just curious, yeah. kind of, in your research on this and in, in your academic mm-hmm. work, how much of the way that we understand maleness mm. has to do with the kind of historic ways in which it's been described and presented to yeah. us?
2: I think that where, to me, as a, as a person who's been, you know, researching and reporting on this, I've just seen so much uh, comfort and Uh, encouragement for girls showing masculine energy. And right, and so we're saying uh, to girls, we we think it's really bad. You can be a tomboy. You can be a tomboy. You can girls who code and girls who become engineers. We're giving her a science kid instead of a Barbie doll. And that's badass, right? And so a lot of the last, I think, five or 10 years of feminism particularly, but especially the last five years where there's been a focus on feminism in in career and in the workplace, um, it's been this idea of be more assertive. Take command of a situation. Don't apologize. Right. Mm-hmm. These are masculine, traditionally right. masculine, right ideas, and obviously not all women have the, the latitude to do that. If you're a black woman in the workplace, you do not have the same latitude as a white woman yeah. in the workplace. Um, but there's an encouragement and a and a and, and a celebration of that, right? So there's a celebration of a girl playing with a monster truck, but there's no celebration of a boy playing with a doll. Right. And there's actually a lot of fear around that. And, and there's, I document it it in the book. It's, it's, in places like New York, with people who define themselves as progressives and feminists, um, I, you know, talk about this man I was talking to who was saying, "I love, you know, my my sister, my 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 daughter. I brought her to this, uh, you know, dance, and it's all about feminism, and I'm super excited about female empowerment." But then, you know, my son was holding a bouquet of flowers, and I and I and I told him like, "Give it to your sister," mm-hmm. and I don't think that. That this is about shaming parents. I don't think that this is parents trying to hurt their boys. They're trying to protect their boys. But the problem is not the flowers, right? The problem is not the yeah. nail polish. The problem is not the dolls. Um, g- giving something that cries to a boy rather than something that kills, right? Why are we more comfortable with a boy holding a toy gun than a doll? Um, this is the system that's 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 hurting them. And parents are just trying to protect their their yeah. kids.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm really interested in. Is is that system. I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with protection. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with the fact that fathers want their sons to, to be in their image. And mm-hmm. this is what they were, they were taught about what it means exactly. to be men. And so that's how they think it, yeah. it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so it's about the way in which we learn for sure it's about culture there's no question about that mm. something internal is mm. is i think getting us in this kind of feedback loop but it becomes extraordinarily difficult if you can't sort of trace with confidence where this definition comes from to disrupt that definition. Right.
2: Right. So much of this is coming from misogyny, right? Internalized misogyny, where the only reason why it's not cool for a guy to be a nurse, but it's cool for a woman to be an engineer is because we devalue what women are and what women do. And we devalue that work. Um, I talk in the book, I mean, there only 10 percent of teachers um, are male. Mm. And a lot of people will think, well, women are just more inclined to go into that profession. <laughs> women are more nurturing, uh, they have more patience, they raise children. So, of course, they're more likely going to go into education. But then you realize that education at its uh, inception was a male profession. The only reason why we have all women and we had women become teachers was because the government realized that they could pay them less. Right. And so then (laughs) they started creating stereotypes around men being drunks, men being pedophiles, men, you know, you can't really Mm -hmm. trust them. So it became, you know, basically an essentially female profession. And I don't think that that's helping us. Right. I don't think that. And it's hurting us. And, you know, gender is just one, obviously, prism. And Mm -hmm. then you add all the other things. This is a, a conversation that needs to be in, in, intersectional. Um, black boys, I mean, t- two or three percent of teachers are are black men. And uh, for a black boy to see have one single one male black teacher over the course of it could be in second grade and then they never see a black mm-hmm. uh, a teacher again. It makes them 38 percent less likely to drop out of wow. school in college. Right. So this is. There's so much potential, I think, male potential that's being lost. So many men who would want to be teachers, who want to be caretakers, who want to be social workers, um, who are interested in all of these professions, who are getting the message in a million different kinds of ways that this is not for them. Um, and and that starts again. I mean, I, I asked one of the my just m- most hy- heartbreaking questions I asked men was, what was a toy that you were told you weren't allowed to play with mm-hmm. as a boy? Which is a toy that you wanted to play with, right? And that just is such an, I think toys and playing and thinking about yourself as a child is is really who you are, right? And there's something about being able to connect with that inner child that's so, we, we, re- we really don't do. And so many men just, yeah, remembered exactly. Wow. They had vivid memories of obviously easy bake ovens. So many easy bake mm-hmm. ovens were denied. Um, uh, one man recalled hear, overhearing his parents uh, arguing over the fact that he wanted kitchen tools for Christmas. And hearing that, again, that shame, right? There's something wrong with me. There's not something wrong. You, when you're a kid, you don't understand. Uh, you internalize everything, right? N- and and one man also recalled like a little shopping cart. He just loved this little shopping cart. And he came back one night and his dad and all his friends had destroyed it. Ugh. And it's this like acts of humiliation and yeah. these acts of restoring, right? This is who you are. This is, you can't be this.
0: So I, I thought that instead of keeping this in the in the more sort of theoretical yeah. uh, conversation about what it means to be a man and and how to Ooh. to raise young boys into men, I would just ask my young boy. I love this. So uh, I'm I, seeing a one third of my one here. of my many sons, <laughs> one of my many many children. <laughs> hey, Cyrus. Hi. Hi. Would you mind joining us for a little bit? Yeah. So can you start by telling us your name?
3: I'm Cyrus David Aslin, and I am in second grade, I think.
0: So the first question that I have for you is, um, you have a lot of friends who are boys and a lot of friends who are girls. What do you think, what would you say is the difference between boys and girls?
3: Is it okay if I say something kind of inappropriate?
0: Yes, you can say anything you'd like.
3: Okay, great. It is inappropriate. It so anyway girls have vaginas and boys don't and, and boys have penises, and girls don't however
0: don't you didn't you have a friend who in in uh, preschool started out as a boy and then chose to be a girl Do you remember? well
3: technically not chose
0: mm tell us about that
3: well there was this boy named si- Simon in preschool he he thought he was uh, uh, oh, so he changed his name to Grace, and then he tried to change his name to Batgirl, but that did not work.
0: People did not start calling her Batgirl, but they did call her Grace.
3: Yeah, and I, and I mm. forgot a couple times and called her Simon. Yeah,
0: but that's really interesting. So, okay, so girls have, sometimes girls have vaginas, and boys have penises, that's good. But that can't be all, because then Simon... Became Grace, but still had a penis. Do you think there's anything else that's, that separates girls from boys? What would you think? How would you describe the differences between uh, boys and girls? Girls and you're, usually to like, the, like
3: to have long hair.
0: Oh, do you know boys with long hair? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Like myself. Well, then that's, that can't be it. What else? What else do you think?
3: I have no idea.
0: Yeah, neither do I. That's exactly, that's what Liz and I are sitting here trying to figure this no. out. We, we needed your help. Um, are there things in your mind, so just your opinion, are there things that you think are only for girls and things that are only for boys? No. No? You don't feel that way? No. Yeah? Do you think other other your friends think that way?
3: Some of them, and, and for some reason, they're surprised that I like pink a lot. Yeah. Mm.
0: Your favorite color for most of your life until quite recently was what?
3: Purple, purple. pink, mm-hmm. and it's still purple, pink, and blue.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Especially blue because, like, I think blue, I, th- I like the I like la- blue jelly beans. I like the color blue. Mm-hmm. I like... Basically, a lot of things blew.
2: So has anyone ever told you boys don't do that when you've tried to do something?
3: Well, maybe once or twice, but not technically. And what were you doing? Um, I don't remember anymore. You don't remember.
0: Mm. Um, sometimes I've noticed that some of your friends, uh, like at school, when they play games, they play kind of violent games, don't they? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like what kinds of well, games well, do
3: they play? Well, I'm basically the only one in the school who never ever plays violent games. Wow. Jeffrey, who's now in my class, this year last year used to play to play a game actually about snipers Ugh. and guns and 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 you and it goes like this: you you un, unlock treasure chests. And there's snipers and guns in them.
0: How come you don't like those kinds of games, honey?
3: Because they are mean.
0: Yeah. Do you think that those are games that mostly boys play or do girls play them too?
3: Mm, Pretty much mostly boys. Mm,
0: How come, you think?
3: Uh, I don't know how to explain it. And (laughs) what would you say to um,
2: a boy who feels like he can't? Do certain things, because he was told that boys don't do that. What would you? Because you you don't listen to those. How would you what advice would you give him?
3: I would give him to, I would give him advice like, um, don't listen to
2: wh- whoever this guy that guy is who's being mean to you? hmm. And what if he says, well, it hurts my feelings. I feel like I should just do what he says. Mm. you helping out oh that's interesting so help out the person who's being mean maybe there's something wrong with them help out both people yeah that's very true right because both people who are hurting need some help
1: Folks, listen up. Like many of you, I avoided going to the doctor during the pandemic. I really did. I skipped my yearly physical, I skipped my dental cleaning, but now everything is opening up and it's time to catch up on regular healthcare. So just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and
0: instantly book an appointment. You can search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read verified patient reviews, book an appointment, do an in-person or video chat. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, eye doctor, any specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. So go to ZocDoc.com. Jesus Christ, try saying that three times fast. Go to (laughs) ZocDoc.com. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy.
1: Now is the perfect time to prioritize your health. So go to ZocDoc.com slash milkshake, download the ZocDoc app, sign up for free, and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoccom slash milkshake. ZocDoc!
0: ZocDoc! Yeah, ZocDoc! Folks, no matter how you're feeling about getting back out there, there's no denying that it's going to be an adjustment. When the world gets too loud... Something that I love to do is create my own soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds.
1: As soon as I go running, I stick in my Raycons. If I'm walking the dogs, uh, it allows me to listen to my playlist, to my podcasts, and it helps ground, center, and
0: focus my day. Sometimes when I'm like focusing on writing and I just need to zone out, I pop in these Raycons The world around me just goes away, and it's just me, my music, and my work.
1: Raycons are the best way to listen. They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort, and unlike some other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. I'm not gonna name names. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life. So you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really, really super long time. And they start at half the price of other premium
0: audio brands. But they sound just as good. Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Give them a try. You'll see exactly what I mean. You can create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Metaphysical Milkshake listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Milkshake. That's buyraycon.com slash
1: milkshake to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash milkshake.
0: I think Cyrus indicates a really interesting trend, Mm. which is that our ideas of of masculinity and our expectations of, of men and malehood are shifting pretty rapidly yes. when it comes to yeah. um, generations, so only twenty two percent of men under the age of thirty say that they have a positive view or a very positive view of masculinity mm. um twenty nine percent between the ages of thirty and forty four mm. But then once you start getting a little bit older, right? once you start getting to forty five to sixty four mm. it's, it's forty one mm. percent of men at sixty five and older it's forty eight percent of men. Um, so it does seem like men are increasingly, um, ambivalent Mm. about masculinity and everything that, that comes with it. So do you have hope? Do you feel like, you know, things are changing when you look into the future? I mean, minus again, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the pussy grabber in chief, but when you look into the, to the future, do you think Do you do you see a a time in Mm -hmm. which these ideas of masculinity that are so um, I know you don't like the term toxic, but so destructive to society will eventually fade away?
2: I'm interested in a conversation where we talk about where men are safe to talk about whether they're enjoying the system we're in right now and where we could celebrate Masculinity, and we could celebrate boys and men, but you know, choose which ones we're celebrating and which we which ones we're glamorizing, and give them more options so that young boys aren't growing up saying, "I don't want to be a man." That makes me sad. I mean, that that you know, that's not the point of feminism. Right? The point of feminism is you know, we're seeing the future is female. We're seeing literally entire aisles at the bookstore of uh, books that are meant to empower young girls and give them more. Uh, A multitude of things and roles that they can be in the world there's no where's that aisle for boys and where's that latitude and that potential and and us uplifting supporting and protecting boys a lot of these conversations can be counterproductive if we leave out half of us out of these conversations
0: Okay, lightning round. Yeah, When do you feel most connected with the universe?
2: Oh,
0: God. That's such a good
2: question. I want to say I feel most connected to the universe when my actions are aligned with my soul.
0: That's good. That's good. What is one thing that you hate?
2: I hate hate. I really do. It's the only thing I let myself hate.
0: What's one thing you know for sure?
2: I mean, I want to say the one thing I know for sure is that I don't know anything for sure.
0: What gender is your soul?
2: It's just purple. I don't know what what gender that is.
0: And then finally, what is your life's big question?
2: I think a lot about why am I here?
0: Mm, Why am I here? That's a big one. Liz Plank, we love you. Thank you so much Dang. for the love of men. <sighs> awesome book. You're an awesome person. I love and you. Thank you thank so much you. for all that you're doing. Thank you thank for
2: everything you, that you're doing. Thank you doing. for being so
0: sweet to my boy. I,
2: can I become your baby? Do you need a nanny? Because <laughs> um, I, I just want to eat him up. Um, yeah, what he's a pretty lovely, delicious. What lovely, lovely, lovely soul. <laughs>
1: Wow, what a great interview. That was so amazing to hear. <laughs> and your son is A, brilliant, B,
0: adorable. I know. Vagina. I mean, how oh cute God. is that?
1: Uh what so what what was that like hearing your son engaging in this conversation?
0: Yeah, thank you for for asking that. Um I left that recording studio and and it was great because Liz was so she was just so praising of the way that I had, you know, raised Cyrus. And I don't know, there was something about having an objective person, and particularly a woman, and particularly somebody who's, you know, studying masculinity, basically look at me and say, you know what? You're doing a pretty good job. It made me feel so good. Because it is a struggle, as we've talked about. It is a struggle. I mean, there there are moments where cyrus shows vulnerability and i have to keep myself from saying don't be such a baby don't you know Mm. why are you reacting that way you're Mm. overreacting you know Mm. you're being too emotional which is all the things that i was told Mm. right Mm. which resulted in this you know shaming this garbage human that i am now um and i feel like i i felt like wow maybe i'm doing an okay job and what does it mean i think truly what it means in the end is this notion that as a dad what i'm meant to do is allow my son to just simply be the fullest version of himself mm, mm, to mm-hmm. not try to make him be something else other than he is because mm-hmm. he is just naturally vulnerable and emotional and and I guess my job is to just simply not stifle that. You know, that's the best thing I could do as a dad to a son.
1: And who knows what the vision of what masculine or the male role is going to be 20, 30 years from now. That'll be really interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, It's changed so much from now from when it was in the 1950s.
0: I don't know. Something to think about. Okay, Metaphysical Milkshake fans, it's time for your favorite segment of the show and ours when we get Yay! to listen to listener voicemails. Yay! Uh, <laughs> listen, a lot of you a lot of you guys have a lot of questions yourselves, and you got a lot of answers to the questions that we ask. It's very easy to join us on the podcast. You could go to our speakpipe, speakpipe.com slash metaphysical milkshake, uh, leave us a voicemail based on one of the questions that we're asking. Or if you want to actually come on this show, like be with me and Rain, it's so easy. All you got to do is leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts telling us what your life's big question is or answering one of our big questions. Take a screenshot of it. Tag us on Instagram at Metaphysical Milkshake. And the next thing you know, you're chilling with me and Rain. Yo. Easy.
1: Yo, that's all it takes. And for this episode uh, with Liz Plank, you know, what does it mean to be a man? You know, the idea of masculinity in the modern world. We've got a few callers in, um, and we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear from them. The first call is from Doug. Let's hear what Doug has got to say.
4: Okay, what does it mean to be a man wanting to change the climate to make sure that the kids are all right? I am a man, my pronouns are he and him. And I believe very fervently that we need to, uh, as men, abandon the field of leadership to women. Uh, women seem to be doing a better job all over the world in, uh, in leading on climate and, uh, and the changes we need to make as a society to make sure that the kids are all right. Specifically, I think we need to look to Indigenous women and Black women Um to uh, uh in leadership positions to help get us through the crisis that white males created and uh, i'm very attracted to the notion of seven generations which is an indigenous concept of thinking about every decision from the standpoint of how is this going to impact our children seven generations from now if we can even think that f- uh, far ahead if we could do that, we would save the climate and things would be great for our kids.
0: Yeah, let the let the women rule. Fun fact here, there are only 22 countries in the world where women serve as heads of state. Did you know that there are 119 countries who have never had, including us in the United States, who have never had a female head of state? And yet, just look at the last two years. Uh, let's look at COVID, right? Female-led countries. Yeah, New Zealand. Like New Zealand, but other female-led countries as well, overwhelmingly had fewer deaths per population uh, and handled COVID better than male-led countries. So, you know, Doug's not just uh, fucking around here. He's he's absolutely right. We need to have more women in leadership roles. We need to give the reins of leadership to women. Uh, and, uh, and you know, otherwise, we're just, you know, we're all screwing ourselves.
1: I'm glad he brought up, uh, you know, women of color uh, taking the reins, because I will say that, you know, women have been doing a pretty fantastic job around the world, but not in the United States. Not Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. These women are more crazy and more right wing than any guy possibly
0: could be. It's like, come on. But isn't that a to- step in feminism that the women are just as fascistic <laughs> as, as the men? <laughs> right? Hey
1: women, we can be fascist too. Yeah. You know, I hate getting partisan, but it really is true. And, um, I don't know why men get defensive around this all the time. You you bring this up and so many men just get so riled up and hot around the collar. Like you're demeaning me. You're degrading me as a man. Like how dare you? And, um, just so prickly and defensive. And it's like, guys, it's okay. We tried white men tried. We gave it a good shot last four or 500 years, actually last four or 5,000 years. And, um, Time to just move on yeah. past the baton. No big deal. Take a you break. You still play. You could still golf.
0: Put your feet you up. You can still eat, You could put your feet up, eat some fried chicken. <laughs> Enjoy the game. All right. We got one more caller here. Another man. This is great. I want to hear from men. Yes. About what it means to be a man. Uh, this is Tim. What do you got to say, Tim? My name's
5: Tim. I'm, I'm a, a Protestant Christian. I live in Nashville. So because I'm a Protestant Christian, I'm, it means I look at everything through uh, a biblical lens because I believe in uh, biblical uh uh, infability, um, and inerrancy and things like that. But anyways, um, trying to be fast. Okay. Um, when I was 25, I'm 31 now, uh, was the first time I was really exposed to the idea of, of what it meant to be a man. And a, a former pastor of mine was hosting something called a great man event, which was four nights, um, four Tuesday nights here in Nashville, where we talk about, uh, what it means to be a man, uh, what, what God has called us to do as men, um, the things that we expect that he expects of us. Uh, and those things were really, uh, at a simplified perspective. Um, you know, a man, uh, a man does manly things is the word he used, which is providing, protecting and leading his family. Uh, man tends his flock, which means, um, he's responsible and disciplined and takes care of the things that, that he needs to do. And there's a couple others, but, um, that was a really ch- a changing point in my life. And, um, it was really significant to me, and I would love to talk about it more and uh, be a part of your podcast. I love theology and talking about that and religion, uh, and I've really enjoyed your show, and uh, it would be great to hear from you.
1: Tim, that was very well said, and I know Reza's going to have a lot to say because it has to do with the Bible, which is one of your areas of expertise. Um, I want to jump in. Thank you for that very uh, sensitive and thoughtful uh, question posed through a Christian lens, but really accessible to everyone believer and non-believer alike I appreciated that very much um I think that the the only thing that I would say is I, I I say Tim I say amen to you um provider and protector and leader of the flock I think we see Reza doing that with his 87 kids it is a flock you know when you think about providing and protecting your flock um I think this can often be, misconstrued and um redefined as you know men are in charge men rule uh what the man says goes protecting can be militant um as opposed to can we nurture our flock and support and uh lift up and you know essentially um If instead of viewing Jesus as this kind of God-man, son of God floating on a cloud, if we look at Jesus as someone whose actions can be emulated, then we as men can emulate Jesus uh, with our families. Um, uh, I'm not saying we wash their feet necessarily, uh, but uh, caretake in a loving manner that might be missing from today's view on masculinity.
0: Wow, that was beautifully said. Thank you. No, that's exactly what I was gonna say. I mean, look, this is a this is a widespread phenomenon, right? Not just in America, not just among, you know, Protestants. This idea that our concept of malehood comes from the Bible, which is can be a little bit problematic, uh, as as uh, you know, the caller himself kind of admitted a little bit. Um, you know, the Bible says that Uh, the man is to the family like Jesus is to the church. And it's a beautiful idea and it's supposed to make you think, oh, well, then the job of the man is to be humble and self-sacrificing and compassionate and merciful because those are the things that Jesus was. But oftentimes what it becomes is, oh, that means the man is God. The man plays the role of Messiah in the family and mm, mm. that kind of mentality, I think, is prevalent amongst Christian households, you know, not just in the U.S., but across the world. And, you know, like you said it just right, is that 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 can be extremely problematic. And also, let's not forget that when the Bible says that, you know, we should follow God's design for true masculinity, okay, but that was— the design of masculinity 3,000 years ago. (laughs) The world is a little bit different now, and yet we still see it, right? That the man is supposed to provide, that the man is supposed to protect. Well, I mean, my wife provides just fine and she protects pretty well, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't make me less of a man to be like, yeah, it's cool. My wife takes care of me. That's not a big deal. And it also doesn't make me less of a man that I do all the cooking and cleaning uh, in our household because my wife sucks at both. In fact, literally, this woman liter- burned water two separate times. Like she she didn't burn water once, Rain. She burned water
1: Wait, twice. now Jesus- Jesus burned water, right?
0: <laughs> Jesus, I think he turned water into wine. If my wife Oh, he turned water turn- into
1: wine. Uh, I think you're right too in uh, reframing uh, the man's role as protector provider because two, three, 4,000 years ago, yes, we had to, dep- you know, women were bearing children and raising and nurturing the children and, and cooking in the cave. And men were out with the hunt and had the spears and the stronger upper body strength. So- That's all well and good, but it's 2021 and we're all watching Netflix. So what does that mean (laughs) now? Yeah. But great question, Tim. And I loved uh, how you phrased it. And um, uh, I, unlike Reza, would love to see people from both sides of the political spectrum and religious spectrums uh, be uh, commenting and uh, consulting on these life's biggest possible questions. And you know I'm teasing, Reza, because I know you want the same thing. <laughs> you can find us on social, at Reza Aslan and at Rain Wilson, hashtag metaphysical.
0: The show is on Twitter, at Metamilk Podcast. It's on Instagram, at Metaphysical Milkshake.
1: And uh, you can include Liz in the convo. She can be found at Feministabulous. So that's feminist. And then add an A-B-U-L-O-U-S. Feministabulous, at feminist tabulous and pick up her book for the love of men while you're at it buy it do it tell your friends to buy it tell them right now oh was i being toxically male in that i was being really like (laughs) buy it all of a sudden maybe that's the dwight shrewd in me i don't know (laughs) metaphysical milkshake is executive produced by rain wilson reza Aslan, and colin thompson It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Harris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubell. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. It is edited by Tyler Newbold. It was additionally executive produced by Golriz Lucina and Dariush Brizuela Nothaft. It was produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of The Mashup Americans. Associate producers are Jocelyn Gonzalez, Lindsay Cratterwill, Sarah Pellegrini, Mary Phillips Sandy, and Shelby
2: Sandler. What do boys do? Oh, that's a good that's different from girls. Yeah, what do boys do that's different from girls?
3: They pee with their penis.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, all right. That's it. I think we got the penis thing down. I think that's uh I think that's pretty much (laughs) it.